0: This is Health Yeah, your weekly update on what's going on in the health, wellness, and medical world with Monica Robbins. Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to Health Yeah, your prescription for clear, concise medical health and wellness information. I'm Monica Robbins. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is all about vaccines. You're about to hear a rebroadcast of our vaccine town hall with six local experts answering all of your questions. Welcome everyone to the WKYC virtual town hall. We have six amazing local experts who are going to be answering your questions all about vaccines and everything else that's been happening in the news lately. Of course, you can learn more about our doctors. Just go to wkyc.com, look at the web story underneath this this virtual town hall and you can learn all about our doctors. Uh, Let me do a quick introduction of all of them. If they would just give me a wave from MetroHealth, Dr. David Margolis and Dr. Kelly Gibson. From University Hospitals, we have Dr. Amy Edwards and Dr. Claudia Hoyen. And from Cleveland Clinic, we have Dr. Kristen Englund and Dr. Veronica Isaac. Thank you all so much for joining us tonight. We have a lot of questions and I wanna personally thank every single person who reached out to us and sent us these questions because some of them are incredibly important and need to be asked. So we're gonna try to get to as many as possible. But of course, today, a big news day. So what I wanna do uh, is first, We all know about the CDC reversing the mask guidance for the vaccinated, the governor offering some serious incentives to get vaccinated, as well as lifting his state health orders on June 2nd. So, Dr. Uh, Edwards, I want to start with you. Give me your perspective on all of this. What do you think?
1: Well, just very quickly what I would say is, you know, for the CDC for the mask mandate, re- reversing the mask mandate for vaccinated individuals, I would actually say it's about time. Vaccinated individuals are extremely low risk for the most part and we're also very low risk to other people. So I think it needed to happen. I think it's a good incentive for people to get vaccinated to find out that they can you know, kind of get rid of their masks. I will point out that they did put some very specific caveats in there. When you're in high risk situations, you should still wear a mask. I think that's very appropriate. As for the governor, I will admit, I gasped out loud when I was listening to his um, news thing, the news conference the other day, um, I was shocked. Um, I, I've heard some people say that that money could be put to better use, and I don't necessarily disagree with that. I know there's a lot of people struggling right now, but honestly, if it if it incentivizes more people to get vaccinated so we can get closer to herd immunity, I'll, I'll take it, whatever.
0: <laughs> Dr. Margolis, what do you think? What's your perspective?
2: Yeah, so the CDC, I would say they, they evolved the, the, the mask recommendation, and it's really we we are here. It's it's May two thousand twenty one, and we know so much more than we did two months ago. So many more people have, have gotten a chance to be vaccinated, and so yes, this was going to happen. We were going to reach a a, a place where where fewer people needed to wear masks, and so that's what we're getting to. As far as uh, the the lottery for the vaccine, you know, I, I think it's it's creative. It's it's drawing attention. I i um, I hope that it draws the right kind of attention and you know, whatever it takes to to help people uh, get to that place where they decide to get vaccinated, you know, we'll be there when, when they're ready to, to make the decision.
0: Dr. Englin, the governor is lifting all of our health orders in three weeks. Is it too soon or is it just the right time?
3: Oh well, I think as with anything with this virus, time will tell. I think that once the CDC has obviously talked about us not having to wear uh, masks any longer if you're vaccinated, since there's no way to really tell who's vaccinated and who's not vaccinated, people are not going to be wearing masks, uh, even if they're unvaccinated. There are some people who are going to choose to do that anyway. So to limit some people to wearing masks if they feel like it and others not, I think it was time to, to... probably uh, stop putting those restrictions on board. Now that doesn't mean that people shouldn't still use common sense, but uh, I, I think it was just gonna devolve into people not wearing masks anyway. All the heads were nodding when you
0: mentioned the <laughs> two words, my favorite words coming common sense. All right, Dr. Margolis, you're our only gentleman here, aside from Dino, who's going to be answering questions and asking questions with me. Dino, Dina Talley, I'm sorry, I I didn't introduce you right off the bat. This is Dino. He is our digital producer for WKYC. He is my partner in crime this evening, and he will be asking questions of our doctors and monitoring our text line and seeing if any other questions come in live, and we'll let you know uh, that way too. So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. All right, Dr. Margolis, I'm going to start with you. How long do you need to wait after you get the COVID vaccine to get other vaccines such as pneumonia or shingles or even a flu vaccine?
2: So great news there. That that change, that recommendation changed yesterday. Uh, And so you do not have to wait. You can get both vaccines, all all the vaccines at at once. And uh, the reason is, is because same thing, we know more than we did a few months ago and it's okay to get vaccines together. It doesn't cause any harm.
0: All right. Dr. Gibson, I'm going to jump to you. Uh, I've, had, I've heard from a lot of um, parents asking this particular question. I'm worried about the vaccine causing infertility in my child, or I've heard from women who may be having trouble getting pregnant, they're worried about getting the vaccine, thinking that it may cause infertility or, or pregnancy issues.
4: this has become a really common question. Um, I mostly take care of pregnant women. So they're not asking, but they're asking for their friends. And uh, the good news is that there is no scientific evidence or theoretical evidence why this would be the case. Um, There's actually been uh, women in some of the vaccine studies who have gotten pregnant in the study showing they certainly have no problem with fertility. Um, And we have been uh, reassuring patients that this this is not something they should be concerned about. All right, Dino, take it away.
5: All right, let's uh, shift over to uh, Dr. Amy Edwards, and the question now goes to the kids. Uh, Why do kids need to get the vaccine if they only get mild cases of COVID?
1: Well, that's a great question. And the answer is because it's twofold. One, kids can still spread COVID, so we need them to be part of the solution. And two, some kids do get severe COVID. It is less common than adults, but we've had kids in the hospital. We've had kids in the ICU. I've had kids on ventilators for a month or more at a time from COVID. So there are some cases and they're impossible to predict where kids have severe COVID. So it's best not to
5: take that risk and just go ahead and get your kid vaccinated. And meanwhile, Dr. Hoyen, will my child have a strong reaction to the second dose similar to a majority of adults?
6: I think that they probably will in terms of strong reaction. Again, um, the reaction to the COVID vaccine really has been very similar to what we see when people get their yearly flu shots. So the things that you might expect Um, after the second vaccine is redness to the arm, as well as um, there've been some reported fevers in kids, um, body aches, um, sometimes a little bit of mild um, upset in your stomach, as well as um, some diarrhea. So really those same things that the adults are seeing, I think we probably will see them in the children as well.
0: Dr. Englund, do I need the vaccine if I had COVID? And what do you say to those who say they would rather get the virus than get the vaccine?
3: Absolutely, we need to have uh, everybody get vaccinated, even those who have had COVID. You know, we picture of the immune system after somebody has had a natural case of COVID. So we don't know how long that immunity is going to last. And what we've seen from other infections is that actually the vaccination does a better job of, of res- having your immune system respond to it than this natural infection. So it's important for everybody to get vaccinated. Um, because there's also uh, variants that are out there. And we wanna make sure that even if you had one type of COVID that you're protected against other variants. So if they would rather get COVID than get the vaccine, I think we've already heard from some of my colleagues here that we see devastating cases of COVID in in our intensive care units and people are still dying. 600 people uh, just yesterday died of COVID in this country. So it is a devastating disease. And a, a shot in the arm and, and feeling poorly for a year or two is much better than actually getting COVID.
0: Dr. Isaac Dr. Margolis just told us some great news that uh, yesterday those guidelines have changed about when you can get your COVID vaccine and it you know when you're also looking to get another vaccine. But when we're dealing with kids and the kids, you know, the typical vaccines kids need, will this vaccine interact with any others that they're scheduled to
7: receive? So just like with the adults, it should not interact with any of the other vaccines that they receive. Um, we expect it; it um, it's it's not a live vaccine. Um, we expect it there to be no interactions with any of their regular vaccinations that they they should continue to get and get on time.
0: Dino, go ahead.
7: All right,
5: back up top here to Dr. Margolis. How safe are vaccines for immunocompromised people? And what's the longest amount of time you can wait between the first and the second Pfizer vaccine for it to still be effective? So we've got like a two-part question there.
2: That's a two-part question, sure. So um, it is safe for people who are immunosuppressed to get the vaccine. It may not work as well, depending on how immunosuppressed the person is, but it it is safe. Uh, For the second part, the Pfizer vaccine, the second Pfizer dose should be 21 days after the first, but there really is no tail limit beyond that. I mean, ideally you'd get it 21 days, maybe a few days later, um, but but folks have gotten it up to six months later and and been fine.
0: I'll take this next one with Dr. Gibson. Uh, Does the vaccine impact menstrual cycles in women?
4: Yeah, so there has been some anecdotal reports of women having slightly heavier periods right after getting the vaccine, um, but after that, going back to their regular cycles. So I would encourage if you got the vaccine, you can sign up for vSafe um, and report if you think you are having a different period so that we can learn more about that. Um, but long-term, there does not seem to be any effect.
0: Dr. Edwards, we've heard of these long long-haul, uh, hauler symptoms with adults, but now we're hearing them with kids. What are kids experiencing?
1: Um, well, what kids are experiencing is actually very similar to what adults are experiencing. So I've seen kids come in, you know, who never had headaches before. Suddenly now they have migraine syndromes, um, chronic abdominal pain, uh, low grade chronic low grade fevers like ninety nine hundred, that sort of stuff, um, fatigue dizziness, um, confusion, short-term memory loss, all the the same sorts of things. Most of my kids are milder than what my adult colleagues are telling me, but I have had some teenagers who for weeks at
5: a time can hardly get out of bed. The fatigue is so bad. For Dr. Hoyen, should children 12 to 15 who have type one diabetes get the Pfizer vaccine? And what are the risks for somebody with that kind of a condition.
6: Um, Really all of the vaccines are safe for um, people, even with people with chronic illnesses, as we've heard, Um, uh, you know, even immunocompromised people can get any of the vaccines. Um, for kids with diabetes, it's really actually more important um, that they, um, you know, take good care of their health and do things like get vaccinated. Um, you know, they are relatively uh, can at times be uh, slightly immunocompromised as well as their diabetes can lead to um, other health conditions, um, and they can sometimes be a little more fragile when they're ill in terms of their diabetes. So it's really important that all kids kids, especially those kids with chronic diseases, are getting their vaccine on time.
5: And for Dr. England, uh, what's on the horizon for booster shots? You know, and do they have to be the same the same brand as, as the first two I received? Like I got the Pfizer. Do I have to get a Pfizer booster shot down the road? And Where will I be able to get that? Or where will I get that when, when that time does come?
3: Well, I think it looks like we're all going to need to get boosters at some point in time. The question is when. Is it going to be something that rolls out that we get a flu shot and a COVID shot in the in the fall? Um, it's likely to happen, especially as we see more variants. We're going to need to get some updated uh, versions of, of the vaccine. They're looking at studies now to see if, even with the first and second doses of the vaccine, if if it can be intermixed uh, between two uh, be- between the pharmaceutical companies. So we're just starting to get that information out now. So we don't have any any idea yet if you're going to be able to get a booster uh, from a a separate pharmaceutical company. So more information to come on that. And certainly my hopes are that as we start to get into the timeframe of boosters, you're gonna be getting that at your doctor's office or at your local pharmacy. We're not going to have to have the mass vaccination sites like we're doing now.
0: Dr. Isaac, is giving the vaccine to my daughter with autism safe? Were there any trials done on children who have or are in the autism spectrum?
7: So in the um, trials that have been done, there have been individuals included with disabilities, um, but I don't think with the trials, they um, um, delineate, you know, how many people may or may not have had autism, but certainly in people with disabilities, it's been proven to be safe. So I think um, in children with, um, um, on the spectrum uh, with autism and other, intellectual disabilities or um, or uh, things like that I it's, it's perfectly safe for them to get it and actually probably in some cases they they may be at a little bit higher risk because if they have um, caretakers other caretakers that are involved with their care um, um, being in um, sort of groups of, of other individuals um, either like with group um, schools or homes or things like that, um, they could be at slightly higher risk. And oftentimes uh, kids with other disabilities have other underlying um, medical conditions that can also put them at higher risk. So it's still um, a good idea to get vaccinated even um, with autism. Dr.
0: Margolis, will the Pfizer vaccine help if a person who has COVID starts to develop blood clots?
2: It, it would help prevent future blood clots from another COVID infection. So if, if someone gets uh, blood clots in the setting of an infection, um, you gotta do everything you can to, to make sure that you don't get another COVID infection because you'd, you'd be just as likely to get new clots. So it won't help with those current blood clots, but we know how to treat that, but it will help keep you safe in the future.
0: And I'll take this next one with Dr. Gibson as well. Is the vaccine safe for pregnant
4: women? This is the most common question I get every day, and while pregnant women were not included in the original studies um, done on any of the vaccines, since that time tens of thousands of pregnant patients have been vaccinated in this country, they've used that v-safe registry so we have their data um, and we have enough safety data that the FDA has uh, now recommended vaccine for pregnant patients. Um, We know that they do not have any higher risk of side effects than anyone who's not pregnant. Um, And most of those effects are just a sore arm, feeling a little bit under the weather for a few days. Um, But long-term, not only are they protected, but their babies are also protected because we know that they pass along those protective antibodies um, to the newborns. Dino,
5: go ahead. Yeah, let's head to uh, Dr. Edwards. Um, I'm assuming this question has to do with variants, but this, this, this is, I'll, I'll read the question word for word. How many kids got the strange COVID illness locally?
1: I'm actually wondering if they're thinking about Miss C, the multi-system inflammatory syndrome for
0: children. Yes, um, I think they are.
1: Yeah, I think that's what it's yeah. referenced. So in Cleveland, I don't have the exact numbers because I'm only seeing the ones who come to UH. We're following at rainbow. We're following about 30 children who had multisystem inflammatory syndrome in children. I would assume Cleveland Clinic is probably somewhere in that same range. I know Metro's had a handful as well. Statewide, we're looking at about 170 to 180 children who have had MIS-C. Um, nationwide, I think it's something like 35 children have died and some uh, thousands have had it. So it's 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 uncommon. It's about 1% of kids who get COVID get MIS-C,
5: but it's, it's nasty when you get it. See, I learned something. I learned, I missed C, I love it. I'm gonna look, we're gonna learn some more. Here's doc, for Dr. Hoyan. Uh, the question is, as a cancer patient undergoing intensive bi-monthly chemotherapy, I've been told that the chemo drugs might inhibit my ability to develop antibodies. I'm also told that I'm immunocompromised by the treatments, making me more vulnerable to the virus. Um, thoughts on that?
6: Exactly. It's uh we've touched on this a little bit. Um, but the way that the cancer drugs will um, make you not be able to respond as well is because they're typically uh, inhibiting some of your immune cells. Um, so they're fighting whatever uh, cancer needs to fight. Sometimes the immune cells um, uh, get, in, get in, in the way of the chemo and um, have, they have problems themselves uh, as a side effect of the chemo. Um, And so again, as as this uh, person has said, that they are relatively immunocompromised. So again, this is really someone that I would recommend talk to their oncologist and figure out when the best time is to perhaps get the vaccine. Um, I know that at Rainbow um, and at Seidman Cancer Hospital, we are absolutely Uh, encouraging and helping our patients get the vaccine Um, when, as I said, after you've spoken with your physician to figure out when it might be a good time for you to do that during your treatment, Um, but certainly going ahead and getting that done so that if you can develop some immunity, you will have some.
0: Dr. England, I'm going to combine a a couple Uh, of questions uh, here. So this one came in, my husband and I were diagnosed with the virus in April. How long should we wait to get the vaccine? And then another person said that they also had the virus. Um, They got their first dose of the COVID vaccine, got very, very, very sick, and their doctors told them they didn't need the second dose. So let's start with the first one. How long should somebody wait to get the COVID vaccine if they've had the virus?
3: So, if you've had the virus, and this this couple back in in April had it, as soon as you're out of your quarantine period, which is about 10 days now, you should be you you are eligible to get the uh, vaccine at that point in time. We used to talk about the potential for being protected about 90 days once you've had your infection. But I think even that time frame is not clear. So as soon as you're out of quarantine, you can apply to get your vaccine. And I would suggest that you get it as, as soon as one is available for you. So the second question, oh, my, my apologies. Um, if they received the monoclonal antibodies for treatment, for their, um, for their infection with COVID, then they do need to wait 90 days. So that's the newest 90 day timeframe. So if you had monoclonal antibodies and you would know it's an infusion, so your doctors would have told you about that. Then you need to wait 90 days because otherwise you won't get a, a decent response to the vaccine.
0: And tying into that, um, yeah, the, the person had COVID six weeks later, got her first COVID vaccine, got very, very sick from it, and then was told she didn't need a second. Is she going to need one down the no, road?
3: We really do need to complete the entire series once you've had it. So even if you've had COVID, I had COVID. Um, and when I had my first vaccine, absolutely, that one, that one was the most uh, response that I had. So after the first vaccine, I had a lot of arthralgias and felt pretty cruddy for two days, went ahead and got the second vaccine and felt fine didn't feel anything after the second vaccine. So if you've had COVID before, you're gonna have your most robust response after that first vaccine, where most people who haven't had it will get a stronger response after their second vaccine. But finish it, absolutely finish the entire uh, process because you know if you only get one vaccine, it's really only about 50 to 60% effective.
0: Dr. Isaac, this has been
3: such a huge issue among among kids
0: and you know a, a lot of mental health issues we all know from virtual learning and everything else, the isolation. My teen has been anxious amid the pandemic.
7: when do I need to seek help? Um, so I mean, if you're really noticing, um, significant changes in behavior with your with your um, children, um, teenagers in particular. Um, so, if they're sleeping more, if they're um, more irritable, if um, school performance is declining, um, those are all um, good reasons. Or if you're just concerned, um, you can always talk to their primary care provider, and they can um, certainly um, do some screenings and. Um, them pointed in the right direction. Um, I I know a lot of we've been seeing a lot of teens um, affected with um, mental health issues related to the pandemic so it's pretty important to check in with your with your kids. Dino? All right Dr. Margolis
5: there's an extreme amount of misinformation go figure on the internet uh, including but not limited to uh, RFID tracers in vaccines. Can you comment on that problem? And also maybe just the the problems of misinformation. Cause I mean, people are, I, I just noticed people tonight as we're doing this show are, are struggling with what to believe.
2: Yeah, you know, so I, I think the, we've gone through a lot this year and it's been just an incredibly trying time for people to find their grounding as, as so much has changed. And um, people are hungry for information and there's a lot of information out there. And some of us are lucky enough to have trusted friends who are in the field, who are public health professionals, who are physician scientists, and and some of us aren't. Um, And so I, when I hear that, um, we just gotta withhold our judgment and, you know, help people and build that trust and help people get the right information. But, you know, this is a vaccine developed uh, by some incredible teams of scientists. And we're so lucky uh, to, to be in this world where 95% effective, um, which, which I imagine none of us thought would, would be possible. And so um, grateful for the, the, the dialogue around it, but, but I hope people will find people they trust too, with, with good information.
0: Dr. Gibson, what trimester should a pregnant woman get the vaccine?
4: Uh, Whatever trimester they're in and they're eligible to get the vaccine is when I would recommend it. Um, With that being said, I do have some patients, especially in the first trimester who are a little more hesitant. So I encourage them to have everyone around them get vaccinated, kind of cocoon themselves with individuals who are vaccinated. And then maybe when they're in the second or third trimester um, and feel more comfortable to get vaccinated at that time, Uh, the key is not only for that pregnant patient but for everyone around them so that we can get the entire community vaccinated.
5: For Dr. Edwards, can a fully vaccinated person be a carrier of this virus and potentially infect a non-vaccinated person?
1: Um, So that's a really great question. Um, And the answer is yes, but not easily. Um, So there is some data coming out. Um, There's several small studies that have been done um, and we're waiting on a couple of bigger studies to finish that show that while a vaccinated individual can carry the virus and spread it to other people, it's at much, much lower levels than what an unvaccinated person would have. Um, The the amount of virus, what we call the viral load is much, much lower um, and viral load matters, numbers matter. And so with that lower load, it's harder for me to get people sick Thus, the newer recommendations for vaccinated people not to worry about masks quite as much um, because it's much harder for us to get other people sick.
5: And for Dr. Hoyen, what side effects would be considered to be too extreme after that second dose of the vaccine? And when would it be necessary to go see your doctor or a clinician after that, this, this person who asks the question says they got Pfizer part 2 back on April 24th.
6: Um, typically, the, the, the most serious um, reaction that we worry about from the vaccine is, is an allergic reaction. Um, And those people typically um, have that reaction if they're going to, and it's been very few people to be honest with you. Um, I I think there have only been one or possibly two people who have become ill within that 15 minute or 30 minute waiting period um, that you do after you receive your vaccine. Um, so that's really gonna be the most critical time. And that's why when you get the vaccine, people are having you stay and they're watching you to be sure that there aren't any side effects like that. Really the, the only other thing that I've seen where people have had to actually go to a physician, like we said, most of the side effects are uh, kind of like a mild case of the flu. Um, And last maybe one to two days. So, uh, not a lot of chance there that you're going to end up in a doctor's office. Um, I have seen one person who um, their vaccine site was bothering them a lot. And so they were doing um, kind of some scratching and touching, and that area became infected. Um, So, that might be something. If for some reason you're, you know, the redness in your arm seems out of proportion or it seems to be spreading, uh, you're having, you know, a fever or something like that, you may just want to give your doctor a call. and so I've had maybe one patient that um, in the, you know, the tens of thousands that we have vaccinated where I've known that has happened. So again, the, the side effects are, are really very minimal. Um, and so hopefully, um, if people understand that, uh, they won't be as, as scared as, as they might be. So again, really not, not a lot of reasons to go to the doctor. The biggest one um, is usually right after the shot. And that's why they keep people there to keep them safe.
0: Dr. Hoyan, can you also cover the fact that, um, you know, there's lymph node swelling and a lot of people get really concerned about that. Yeah,
6: exactly. Uh, That was really one of the first uh, things that I heard after we started our mass vaccine clinics at UH Um, and people were texting me pictures of underarms (laughs) and all sorts of things. Um, And so we realized that this, this uh, this um, shot uh, really seems to be causing what we call lymph adenopathy or exactly those lymph nodes kind of where uh, where the drainages from your arms in the lymph system some of those nodes um, are getting overexcited uh, because of all the things that are are going on um, because of the vaccine
0: is there is there a particular time though that um, if that's happening to you and you know, how long does that last? Yeah, I think most
6: people that I've been talking to, it's been lasting at least like four weeks for some people. Um, If for some reason you have a lymph node and it continues to get bigger, Um, where, you know, you might, it just might appear and then usually they stay pretty static. If for some reason it's, it's growing, um, you're developing other symptoms like a fever or something like that. Um, but really, you know, if it's still there after a couple of weeks, maybe a month, I would just call your physician, um, just to be sure there isn't anything else you need to be worried about. Um, but again, I don't know of many people that have ended up in the doctor's office for it. Um, it's annoying and, and, you know, some people have said it is uncomfortable, um, but it's, it's a good sign for you to let you know your your immune system is doing what it should.
0: Dr. Anglin, how do we know this vaccine won't give us cancer or some other new disease down the road?
3: Well, I think we need to put vaccines in general in perspective. When you look at, say, the early 1900s, before we ever had any vaccines, and the number of deaths in the world uh, that were that were going on because of vaccine preventable diseases. Now we look at the vaccines that we currently have and the fact that we don't see polio, we very rarely see measles. So many things that killed hundreds of thousands of people before we can now prevent. So we do have a lot of vaccines that we have that we are giving our children and we are giving our adults. So we have a lot of experience with vaccines. And if there are going to be side effects and problems with the vaccines. They're generally seen within two weeks at the latest two months. So we don't have any vaccines that you're going to be seeing problems arising, you know, decades later. Um, and again, we've had vaccines since the 1940s. So we don't have any history of any vaccines causing cancer down the line. So it's really unlikely that this one is gonna be having any problems as well.
0: Dr. Isaac, how? What's the vaccine hesitancy rate among the patients that you're seeing? And of those families of color, what are you telling them? What is the, what is the message that, that they need
7: to understand? Yeah, well, thank you um, for that question. Um, so I've actually been very surprised at how many families have been asking about getting COVID vaccines um, for their kids, um, even before we got to this point where um, the the um, age limits had had gone down and it's been available for kids twelve and older. Um, So that's actually been pleasantly reassuring, but I definitely have seen those that have been hesitant. And, um, you know, we just have an honest conversation about what we've been talking about here. And um, frankly, a lot of the um, higher risks happen to be um, in um, populations of color. And so, um really to help with the rest of your family um other family members that may be at higher risk it's really important to think about getting your kids vaccinated Um, and and we just we just talk about um all of the things that we've been talking about thus far and hopefully help them be able to make a decision about getting vaccinated Um, but i i mean i did my family all of my family did and we're standing strong so get vaccinated
5: Dr. Margolis, uh, somebody wrote here: the, the process of getting these vaccines and getting them out in, into the public—it seemed rushed. In your opinion, were they studied long enough and, and really vetted hard enough before being uh, made available?
2: Yeah, it seemed. I would say it seemed fast, right? And I think uh, I remember when Dr. Fauci first said, "You know, possibly by by the end of 2020, we'd have vaccines." And that did that did seem fast. Two things that, that really helped make that happen. One is there were teams of scientists ready to go, ready to test vaccines for coronaviruses specifically, because the common cold was from different types of coronaviruses, so they were ready to go. The second thing, unfortunately, is that there was so much of coronavirus SARS-CoV-2 in the, in the community at the time that the vaccine was tested, that it was pretty quickly clear which folks in the study had the placebo compared to which folks had the, the real vaccine. And so, you know, never, you know, in a hundred years have, have we had that much of this infection that we were, um, you know, had this huge opportunity essentially to, to, to make this vaccine during this time. And so that's what, that's what led to it being ready so quickly.
0: Can you also talk about the fact that Never in our time, at least not in my lifetime, I've ever yeah. seen governments pour billions of dollars into research. You know, we had people getting involved. I mean, this was a this was a global emergency pandemic. Is that another reason why this research was done so quickly and got to market, if you will, so quickly?
2: Yes, you said it. You said it.
0: And and also. Um, I've had a number of people talk to me about the fact that they're concerned that this this only received emergency use authorization. These are not FDA approved. What's the difference and why does it matter?
2: It's a timeline question. And so we are still in the first um, six months or so since this vaccine received the emergency use authorization, formal approval takes longer six to 12 months longer and so we will get there it's just going to take longer and and they do that because they want to continue to watch um you know how people do but but we'll get there shortly i imagine
0: and i would guess emergency use is meant for an emergency which
2: yeah this felt this felt like an emergency for sure yeah
0: dr gibson what does the
4: vaccine do to the baby Uh, well it protects the baby Um, by mom making the antibodies when uh, they get the vaccine, then those antibodies cross through the placenta, similar to other vaccines we use in pregnancy. We recommend the flu shot. We recommend the tetanus booster. Um, This is the same. It protects protects the patient and then it protects the baby after delivery so that the baby is safer um, out in the world where there's still COVID going around.
5: For Dr. Edwards, If vaccinated people can still get COVID, can they still get damage to their internal organs? Is there any information regarding vaccinated people who contract COVID presenting with damage to their lungs or any other organ that you're aware of?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. So um, I'm going to answer it two different ways. One is, Yes, it is possible for people who get vaccinated to get COVID. We know that the vaccine is not 100% um, protection. It's very, very good protection. 95% of people who um, get vaccinated uh, won't get COVID. The majority of people who get COVID will get mild COVID or even asymptomatic COVID. But there have been what we call these breakthrough cases, people who are vaccinated who have a breakthrough infection there will be people with breakthrough infections who are severe most of those are going to be in people who had a poor response to the vaccine so what we've seen at UH is the majority of the people who are coming to the hospital with COVID are unvaccinated but the small percentage of people who are vaccinated are people who were immune compromised so the vaccine didn't take very well or very very elderly who have what we call immune senescence meaning their immune system isn't as as good as when you're younger. Um, And so the vaccine just didn't provide 100% protection for them. And yes, some of those do have organ damage. That is why it's important for all of us to get vaccinated because the vaccine isn't gonna work in everybody. And so for those of us who have stronger immune systems and the vaccine will work, if we all get vaccinated, then we can help protect
5: those who don't respond as well to the vaccine. Uh, for Dr. Hoyen, as we keep going here on our vaccine town hall, how has the pandemic shaped school health programs and schools' relationships uh, with the hospital partners?
6: Yeah, um, we've we've had um, and I know that the clinic and and Metro um, interface with the schools at U.H., uh, we work with a team from PSI that provides um, hundreds of school nurses uh, throughout northeast Ohio to different school systems. So we've we've always, as healthcare systems, partnered with the children and at the schools. Um, But this really was something different Um, uh, at UH, U.H., We, uh, you know, realized uh, once the governor, um, you know, kind of opened things back up last spring, um, that there might be a chance to get kids back in school in the fall. Um, And we had started uh, er, later in the spring, early in the summer, working with businesses because we realized as a hospital, we never closed down during the pandemic. And so we figured out how to do a lot of things to keep people safe. Um, and so we actually uh, created a playbook for businesses, which we took out to the community. And we realized, like, by late May, early June, that we probably needed to do that very same thing for schools. Um, and so at UH, we, at Rainbow, we developed a playbook. I probably went to 40 different schools in Northeast Ohio um, and, you know, toured the schools and talked to the administrators. I've done... Uh, Tens of webinars in the evening with teachers from all around Northeast Ohio, Um, because remember our teachers went back a lot of them went back before. Teachers or children were vaccinated. Um, and I can say, you know, really proud of the work that we did and really proud of the teachers um, and students in Northeast Ohio who did go back to school in the fall and successfully stayed in until we had that big surge in the winter. Um, so I think it really has altered. Um, Our relationship with the schools in a great way. You know um, that we are currently uh, partnering um, with the Cleveland Metropolitan School District, and the kids will be going on a field trip to go get their vaccines um, at our center out at the MSC. Um, And you know we have uh, clinics for uh, the kids as well. Uh, One this Saturday, the clinic of I think 1,200 kids is already full for the 12 to 15 year olds. So again, um, it's, it's really great to be working closely, um, with the schools. Like I said, I, you know, have some of those principals and, um, people at, um, uh, from the school districts on speed dial. And actually I will be giving a commencement ceremony uh, from a school that asked me uh, because I had spent so much time with them this year. So uh, again, it, I think it's a great way for us to, to now have these relationships with the schools to realize that we are their partner in caring for the kids and whatever we can all do together is, is really best for the children.
0: Dr. England, I have the questions about the vaccine card for you. So uh, this person says my J&J vaccine card has an expiration date. My sister had Pfizer and it doesn't. Is this the expiration of the shots effectiveness or the expiration of the vial the vaccine came in?
3: typically when we have an expiration date that is put on any kind of a, a vaccine record, that's the, the date of the vial. So the vial is good until that date. So we just wanna make sure that we're not giving anybody an exposed uh, or an expired vial. Uh, how long is this gonna last? Well, I don't know. So it, they, we certainly cannot put any kind of a, an expiration date on, uh, on how long our immunity is going to last. So, it's not
0: you who's expiring or the.
3: Uh, <laughs> Correct. <laughs> because you got the vaccine. It's,
0: it's right, the here's, vaccine. Here's another one. When I was vaccinated at the Wolstein Center, uh, the Army National Guard did the vaccination, gave me a paper card. Is that the only record of my vaccination? Is there a central database somewhere? And should I give a copy to my doctor?
3: So I would definitely say give a copy of the vaccine to your doctor just to make sure. It's very important that we have uh, those recorded. From what I understand, everything that was done at the mass vaccination site, that has also been recorded uh, so that it is available for uh, all of us, uh, all of those who were vaccinated down at Wolstein to be included in the um, lotto that's going to be coming out. Uh, so you shouldn't have to worry about getting yourself re-registered for that. You can, you can win that million dollars as well. So that should be in a database uh, from a public health standpoint and, and from the state standpoint, but it may not have been uh, sent to your own personal doctor. So make sure you communicate that information to your own physician.
0: And that website info for uh, for the state, more information on the lottery is supposed to come out next week. So I know it's going to crash about five seconds after it hits, you know, but hey, if it, if it makes more people get a vaccine, more power to them. Um, Dr. Isaac, what do I do if I'm terrified of needles? Oh,
7: that's a good question. Um, so, um... Well, we have a lot of different ways of dealing with needle phobias, um, especially in a pediatric clinic. Um, so oftentimes there can um be certain medications that we can actually apply in the area, Um, though those things take time. Um, We also have child life services that can help um, with distraction techniques and things like that Um, while someone's getting a vaccine. Most of the kids I see are older, and so typically it just takes a a nice strong hug from a parent and we get through it. Um, And I think most of the time kids really worry about like the length of the needle and the Size of the needle um, and really it doesn't matter because once it goes it's just the part that's going through the skin so once that happens everything else is fine um, and that's less than a second um, and our nurses are fantastic do this all day um, so really um, trying to Distract yourself and and get through it, and know that this is a good thing, um, and we'll we'll get through. <laughs> but definitely talk to your doctor, and they can help with that.
0: Take me to my happy place and don't look.
5: Exactly, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> All right, no. Dino, go ahead. <laughs> doctor uh I was told I should not get the vaccine due to a severe reaction to contrast shellfish, penicillin. Uh, will there be a vaccine eventually that would work for these people?
2: So the the current vaccines, all three of them work work for you. Um, the the fortunately, even if you have allergies to these other things, this vaccine is safe and we'll make sure that we're right there um, in the worst case scenario if something were to happen, but but you're safe, you can get the vaccine.
5: That's good, I have a shellfish allergy and I, I was fine. So I- Just
2: good to- stay away from shellfish would be my recommendation. <laughs> that's right.
0: I, I want to throw in there, Dr. Margolis, we had another question. If you're allergic to uh, CAT scan dye and have reaction from nuclear stress test injections, can you still get the vaccine?
2: You still can. Yep, you're safe.
0: Good to know. Dr. Gibson, should we wait until mammogram appointments are done before we get vaccinated?
4: Yeah, that's a, a great question. Um, I'm going to go back to Dr. Hoy and, and her uh overexcited lymph nodes. Uh, So when you get the vaccine and you get uh, some, some patients will get that swelling in their lymph nodes, we recommend that you either get your mammogram before your vaccine, or if you've gotten your vaccine that you wait about four to six weeks for those lymph nodes to go down so that you don't get any false positive results on your mammogram.
5: All right, Dr. Edwards, this this is one, I mean, I've seen it about five times tonight. We've we've got a bunch of people asking about this. Uh, I'm fully vaccinated. My neighbor, however, refuses to get a vaccine. How safe will I be walking into a store without a mask with potentially unvaccinated people? you will be very
1: safe. The vaccines that we have are extremely effective. I heard somebody earlier tonight say about how lucky we were and we are. If you look internationally at the performance of some of the other vaccines, um, I'm thinking particularly of like Sinopharm, Um, the ones that we have here, Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson and Johnson have been performing exceedingly way beyond my wildest expectations. So if you are vaccinated and your immune system is, is relatively normal, I know there's some immune compromised people who maybe are getting less protection from the vaccine, but the vast majority of us have excellent protection from the vaccine. And so while yes, you should encourage your neighbor to get vaccinated, you are protected.
5: Uh, here's one for Dr. Hoyan, um, and this is a good shout out, I think, for, for the clinics. Um, can kids sign up slash walk in to UH Pfizer clinics?
6: Um, the, uh, the, kid, the parents uh, would need to uh, probably help the kid uh, because you need parental consent um to get the vaccine so um, i know that the governor has said um that if children are going with their school to a vaccine clinic um that they don't need their parent there as long as they have that that proof um of consent um and again the people who are bringing them you know from the school are going to know who they are um right now uh anyone who um is a child would uh who's under 18 is going to need to have their parent there with them.
0: And I I want to throw in something too, and and doctors jump in on this, and I haven't seen yet, it may have already happened, but uh, 12-year-olds need a prescription to go to a pharmacy. However, this will be a moot point as soon as the governor signs a bill that is on his way to his desk, and hopefully by now he's already signed it. Um is that the message you're getting as well?
4: Okay. Yes,
0: I've already prescribed uh, the COVID
6: shot
1: for a couple of my 12-year-olds.
6: Right. But um actually if you're coming to this vaccine UH, um you don't need that pharmacist prescription or, or your physician's prescription. Um, so if, you are, if you're going to bring your 12-year-old um, to a mass vaccine clinic like that, uh, there does not need to be any sort of um, prescription from the physician. Right. So uh, there are still ways, even tomorrow, uh, for you to get your child vaccinated or on right. Saturday um, without needing to have um, your physician uh, write a prescription.
0: Absolutely. It was only regarding pharmacies and right. you know, within a matter of hopefully hours. Correct that will no longer be an issue. Um, Won't be an issue, right. Dr. England, we have one about um, corticosteroid knee injections within a few days of a COVID vaccine. Um, Will it affect the immune response?
3: You know, when when corticosteroids are injected into an enclosed space like a knee, there really shouldn't be much of a systemic uptake of that steroid. So you should be pretty comfortable with being able to get a vaccine within a few days of of that. And you should still be able to get a fully robust response from that. So I don't want anybody to have any reason for delaying the vaccine any more than they should. So please take that opportunity and go ahead and get vaccinated.
0: And on those same lines, Dr. Margolis, I'll bring you into this. Um, I know there was a study done with people with blood, blood cancers and the, having a lower immune response. What do, do those people need to be aware of anything more specific?
2: Just as we've, we've said earlier, that if, if your immune system isn't as strong, the vaccine might not protect you as well, but it won't cause you harm. And it's still definitely the right thing to do to get it to protect you.
0: All right, I cannot believe we've uh, managed to get through quite quite a few uh, viewer questions, and I want to thank everybody for submitting them, and, and thank you with all of my heart for answering them because I I simply can't. I just listen to the experts and you know say what you guys tell me. But uh, what I'd like to do is kind of do a round robin here, and your final thoughts, what what you want people to take home, and and especially for those we know there's probably especially relating. To to kids for those of you who in pediatrics. We know there's about a third of parents who are, can't wait to get their kids vaccinated. There's another third sitting on the fence and then there's another third who are like, absolutely not. So let's talk to those two thirds. Um, Dr. Isaac, I'll start with you. What do you want them to know? Um,
7: that the vaccine is safe um, and as we said earlier, we're wor- we've been worried about um, the mental health of our kids. We've been wanting to, to get back to socialization, playing sports. This is the best thing we have and the best way to be able to do it. So um, we should get vaccinated. Dr. Edwards, what are your thoughts? My thoughts,
1: if you're a parent sitting on the fence, what I will tell you is I'm vaccinating my own children. It's safe, it's effective, you should do it.
6: Dr. Hoyen? Um, And again, my children have also been vaccinated. Um, My uh, 18 year old took it upon herself. Uh, She was so excited to get vaccinated that she actually stalked multiple Rite AIDS um, before the 18 year olds were allowed to get their shots because she would she and her friends would get the shots, um, you know, the leftover shots at the end of the day if somebody didn't show up. So, um, you know, there are children who are excited to get this because it's getting them back to normal. It's so important for them. It's so important for all of us, but especially the kids. This has been so hard on them and so hard to understand. And it's, you know, they need to be with each other. They're all growing, they're learning. And and that's how they grow and learn by being with their peers. So I hope that parents understand with this vaccine, the science was not compromised. The timeline was compressed, but the science wasn't compromised. These are amazing vaccines. And we just hope that you understand um, how excited we are for you and your children uh, to be able to take this next step so that we can all get back to the lives we had before and we can move the kids forward and get them back in school with their friends, um, really just you know, like it used to be.
0: And maybe have a chance to get a four-year scholarship somewhere too. Yeah. <laughs> never know um dr gibson is there, there could be that too we'll yeah. take it dr gibson is there anything you would love to make sure women who are trying to get pregnant or pregnant women be aware of is there anything we didn't
4: ask you that you want to make sure they understand about the vaccine um you know what i tell my patients is that we've spent the last what 15 months wearing a mask being afraid for good reason of this virus right i've had pregnant women intubated in an ICU without their family around them. I do not want that to happen to another patient. And now we have a tool to prevent that. We have a tool to get back to normal, to go to the grocery store without a mask on, to travel and see your family. Um, it's just one shot or two shots, uh, but it's, uh, it's the key to getting our world back. Um, and so I would encourage every patient to do it. My whole family has been vaccinated and I hope that yours will too. Dr. Margolis, what would you like
0: people to remember? And is there anything that you keep getting asked that I forgot to ask you?
2: No, you, you asked them all. This was, was a great conversation. I think I would just add one additional thing is just, just kindness. Um, folks are gonna be in different places of their journey with, with coronavirus, with masking, with indoors, with outdoors. So be kind, don't judge. You know, If you see someone wearing a mask and they're vaccinated and they're outside, they're still allowed to wear the mask and and just be kind
0: dr Anglin,' I'll, I'll let you have the final say here
3: oh i couldn't agree more with uh, dr margolius's comments i think this is a very rapid moving field and we're making new recommendations and some people are comfortable and some people aren't and i think it's and, and i also don't know what somebody else's health status is so i don't know if they're immunocompromised or living with somebody who's older that they're concerned about so I'm not throwing away my masks and I don't expect anybody will. We also don't know what the fall will bring. Do everything that you can to protect yourselves and your loved ones. For those people who say that they are they don't need to worry about, it, they're young, they're healthy, they're not going to get sick. You know what? You may end up in our long COVID clinics here. That's not something that people want to do, but you may not get hospitalized, but you could be living with the after effects of that for months to come. So protect yourself as best you can, keep wearing those masks if that's what makes you comfortable and makes you feel safe. Um, But first and foremost, get your vaccine.
0: And those masks will come in handy in cold and flu season too. So, you know, we we managed to get through that one. Um, I have one more question that just came in and, and this one kind of pertains to me. I'm, I'm a brain tumor survivor. I'm still living with a brain tumor. And this individual said she has, uh, she's a 20 plus year survivor, but she wants to know, is there a specific vaccine she should get? I got the Pfizer vaccine, had no issues. Is there anything? From what I'm hearing from all of you, they're pretty much all the same. So pick one, right? I'm getting the thumbs up. Okay. (laughs) Whatever (laughs) is the fastest you can get, get it. Whatever is is available. Great advice. Again, thank you all. I know this is not going to be our last town hall, but we are three weeks closer to somewhat normal, you know, and uh, just, I love, I love uh, it. I am not a doctor, I don't play one on TV. I just have the ability to talk to very, very smart people. And uh, the only thing I will prescribe with you is common sense. Please follow me at Monica Robbins on Twitter and Instagram, and please like my Facebook page, Monica Robbins WKYC, and stay updated with local health news. Find my news stories and video podcasts on my YouTube channel, Monica Robbins, and please subscribe to that as well. And of course, stay up to date with all of your news and everything coronavirus-related at WKYC.com, and also check out WKYC's social media platforms and YouTube channel. Thank you so much for tuning in to Health Yeah! Have a healthy week. Thanks for listening to Health Yeah! with Monica Robbins from WKYC Studios. Subscribe now so you never miss an update and find more on everything you heard here on WKYC.com and on
6: the WKYC app.